Good morning. I want to welcome everyone uh, into this time of worship. And as we gather together as God's people, especially want to welcome those of you who've joined us from out of town for ACU Homecoming Weekend. I see some familiar faces that aren't always with us. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us online as well. So as Avery mentioned, we are continuing this morning our series that's focusing on these words that we long to hear. And a lot of, a lot of this wisdom comes from uh, something we call the Enneagram, which is just a, kind of an ancient way to, to think about how we as various people are driven by different kinds of basic needs. Now, these are human needs, and so as you look at this list, you may very well feel like you connect to all of these in one way or another. But what we've been talking about throughout this series is one of these belongs to you more than all the rest. One of these is the reason you get up in the morning, and it's also what keeps you up at night. It, it's what drives you. It's what motivates you in, in every situation. It's not so much what you do, but it is why you do everything you do. And so we have, for the last several weeks, looked at various different kinds of needs. This morning, we're going to be focusing on the need to be secure. And for those of us who are driven by that need more than anything else, and as we think about, even if this isn't the need that really is at the core of who you are, there are people in this world for whom security matters more than anything else. And what they need us to do as God's people is think through how we can share the good news of the gospel in a way, in words that really connect with that that sense of fear of not having enough safety and security. What that means is there are many of us who kind of have this voice in our head that's saying, this world is more dangerous than I can deal with on my own. This world is more dangerous than I can deal with on my own. Now, it doesn't take long, whether it's watching the evening news or spending quite a bit of time on social media or even simply talking to people in our lives to know that of all the various basic thoughts that we could carry around with us, millions, billions of people, this is what they are telling themselves. And it is re- affirmed every time they look at the world and they look at how it's going and they look at what's not working. They look at all of the, the unpredictability and, and the ways that even if you, you plan for every kind of situation, you can eventually find yourself in a situation that you never, you never even knew to think of before. And so if that happens to you more than once in your life, you find yourself afraid that it's going to happen again. All of us, doesn't matter who we are, we've all been hurt by the danger in our world. We've all had to deal with it, and we all have come to the place where we realize we need help. We need something outside of ourselves that will will carry us, something we can rely on, something we can depend on. Now, here's what's really challenging, is for, for many of us, we may find We may find what we're looking for, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in institutions we can be a part of. We find a group of people who, like us, realize the world is dangerous and try to work together, and we start to feel like maybe we're making some progress in in having a sense of security and safety. And yet, all of us know that 
that's limited. The, the ability we have, even together, to navigate all of the challenges that we have to face in this world, it is, it, it's impossible for us to be able, even together, to deal with all of that. Now, for many of us, it's that we haven't gotten to the place where we can even band together with other nervous, anxious people and feel better about it because it's people who've hurt us before. It's institutions that have hurt us before. Again, when we think about what's broken in our world, it's not just random events that come crashing in on us. Sometimes the, the groups of people who are in authority or power, who are calling the shots, they're not really dependable. They talk like they are, but they're not. And so if you get burned in a, in a close relationship, or if you're a part of a community or a church and you get hurt, then you reach a place where you still feel like you know the world is more dangerous than you can deal with on your own, but the last thing you can do is open up your heart again to trust anyone or anything else. So you know you need help, but you're too afraid to try to find it. Now, have you at least spiritually hyperventilating yet? Hey, this is one of the most basic human motivations, the, the most basic set of fears and concerns that we have. In fact, a couple years ago, uh, now, in fact, several years ago now, a book came out that was written for people who everywhere they look in their lives, there's a problem, right? And it was called the Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook. Now, it was written tongue-in-cheek. It sold more than 10 million copies. And not everybody was in on the joke, right? Danger, it lurks at every corner. Volcanoes, sharks, quicksand. The pilot of the plane blacks out and it's up to you to land the jet. What do you do? The worst case scenario survival handbook is here to help. Jam-packed with how-to, hands-on, step-by-step, illustrated instructions on everything you need to know fast from defusing a bomb to delivering a baby in the back of a cab. This indispensable, indestructible, pocket-sized guide is the definitive handbook for those times when life takes a sudden turn for the worse. The essential companion for a perilous age because you never know. Now, it's good for us to laugh at ourselves. That's what this little book is trying to do, although it does include everything it promises. And you can't have over 10 million copies of a book sell unless some people think there's some useful wisdom there. I think it even teaches you how to survive wrestling an alligator or something, which I'm not personally at high risk of, ever, of that ever happening. Another way to think of it is what kind of basic questions do we wrestle with, right? A question like, what am I going to do if the worst thing I can imagine happening actually happens? Ever had a thought like that? And then when somebody tells you, well, you're just jumping to conclusions and that's never going to happen, you think deep down in your heart, you can't promise me that. What if the worst thing I can imagine happening actually happens? I've seen that take place in other people's lives. Maybe I've had times in my own life where it felt like the worst possible thing that could ever happen was happening to me. How can you tell me that? Or here's another question. How am I supposed to relax and enjoy how well things are going right now when I know that it could all come crashing down in an instant? Are you one of those people where even when life is going really smoothly and well, they're in the back of your mind, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, the other shoe to fall? 
Like you can't even really savor those kinds of experiences because you know they're going to come to an end and you're, you're worried about when and exactly how that's going to happen? Or here's another question. How can I know which decision to make when I can't know exactly how it will all turn out? How can I make a decision when I have limited information? How can I trust myself to make a decision when I've tried diligently to make good decisions in the past and they blew up in my face? And so you get to this, this moment where you need to make an important choice and you just can't find a way to come to a decision, to hold on to that decision, and, and follow through. You just keep changing your mind and you keep reaching for more information, more conversation. You keep putting off that, that decision moment. I think, again, all of us at one time or another, we have asked these kinds of questions. We've lived with these kinds of, of fears. And if you're somebody who would just openly confess, look, yeah, I run a little anxious. Yeah, I tend to have an amazing ability to imagine the worst possible outcome and then live my life in, in fear of that really happening. If you, if you open up and share that with another Christian often, do, do you know what they quote to you? It comes from Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 25. Right? We know this. You tell somebody, I'm really worried about something, and they say, therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you can, by worrying, add a single moment to your life? When I'm stressed out and anxious and some well-intentioned Christian quotes this at me, I have to try really hard not to roll my eyes right out of my head. Thanks for the helpful quote. Right? Like it's a switch you can just turn off. As if this is a commandment Jesus is offering instead of loving words of assurance that he's hoping will find a way into your nervous heart. He's not telling you to just cut it, cut it out, stop. Haven't you ever been in a situation where, where someone has never had a certain kind of experience before, or maybe you're older and they're younger, and so they've, they've never gone through whatever that is before, and you know they're going to be okay, and you're just trying to help them take a breath and slow down? Wouldn't you say something like this to them? I mean, if you start trying to analyze this too closely, I start to worry about the fact that, you know what? The bottom line is, I want to live better than a bird. Right? These are loving words of advice. These are not commandments to just pretend you don't have anxious thoughts and fears that you're wrestling with. And when we dismiss other people in their moments of fear and anxiety, we act like, well, we can just quote a couple of verses and we, our job's done. That's not what Jesus wants us to be and do for people in our life of faith and especially people in our life who don't yet have faith. Oh, don't worry about it. Just stop it. Cut it out. Loosen up. We, we've all tossed those words at people knowing the second they come out of our mouths, it's not actually going to help. 
but we want to be done with it anyway. Because it is stressful to be around somebody who's more afraid than you are. Isn't it? For whatever reason, you're not nervous. You're not anxious about whatever it is you're dealing with. It is a challenge. And sometimes they start saying things that do make you afraid. You're like, I haven't thought about that angle. Now I'm not going to sleep. So, so the Apostle Paul, who you know loves and tries his best to live out the words of Jesus, he sounds differently from this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 23, he's listing out all the things he's been through, and it doesn't sound like he was just hanging out in a nest, right? Like a, like a happy bird or something. This is what he says. This is what his, his life has been like. I've been beaten more times than I can count. I've faced death many times. How has he faced death? I've received the 40 lashes minus one from the Jews five times. I was beaten with rods three times. I was stoned once. I was shipwrecked three times, as if one time wouldn't have been enough. I spent a day and a night on the open sea. I've been on many journeys. What were those journeys like, Paul? Well, I faced dangers from rivers, robbers, my people, and Gentiles. I faced dangers in the city, in the desert, and on the sea. It's starting to sound like Dr. Seuss. And from false brothers and sisters. Green eggs and ham, you didn't get it? Okay, anyway, I have faced these dangers with hard work and heavy labor, many sleepless nights, hunger and thirst, often without food and in the cold without enough clothes besides all the other things I could mention. There's my daily anxiety because I am worried about all the churches. Who is weak without me being weak? You can't just switch it off. People of faith can't just decide that they're going to forget all the dangers they've had to face before, all the difficult things they've gone through before, right? Paul says he's not going to clean up his life story to make all of us feel like the Christian life is supposed to go smoothly and we're not supposed to, to struggle with anything. Or we're not supposed to have to deal with things that really do make us scared, I, I love the honesty the Apostle Paul offers us when he says, all of you gathered at church today, if you feel small and weak and afraid, I do too. I do too. And so what does the gospel say to us when these are the words that are, are driving so much of how we feel and what we experience and what we do, that the world is more dangerous than I can deal with on my own and I want to rely on other people, but they've let me down before, so I need help, but I don't know how to ask for help and I don't know who to try. What, what does the gospel say to us? Not, God's going to make the world less dangerous for you. God's going to promise you that everything really is just going to go exactly the way you want. I would love it if we could find that promise somewhere in the Bible. It's not there. Here's what the gospel says to us. You are safe even when you have real reasons to be afraid. You are safe even when you have real reasons to be afraid. This is the whole truth, isn't it? I don't mean it's the truth we always experience. I mean it's the truth we need 
to experience. These are the words we need to hear, the longing deep within our soul in a dangerous world that has hurt us before and will hurt us again. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness is not able to overcome the light. Man, I'd love it if in the beginning of the Gospel of John, it just says there's light and there is no darkness. Now, that may be true of Christ. That's absolutely true of of our experience of, of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. But when it comes to our world, there's a battle going on between the light and the dark, between good and evil, between faith and and the things that would steal our faith from us. And I, I wish we could just throw a switch and all of the darkness and all of the difficulty and all of the suffering and all of the uncertainty and all of the, the things that we know are too big for us to handle. And I wish all that stuff would just vanish, but that's not, that's not the promise. The promise is we're safe even when we look out and there's, there's very real things that are causing us to be afraid. In the midst of that, God says... I'm in, I'm in that battle with you. I'm walking beside you. And somehow God's presence is able to hold us close, is able to hold us together, is, is able to, to hold us up. When we reach the end of ourselves, when we're too shattered and broken to know what to do next, or when we're, we're going through that healing process and our souls are on the mend, And yet we're afraid, we're afraid we're never going to feel good ever again because of what we've had to go through. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to tell the truth, we know we have very real reasons to be afraid. As people of faith, in the face of all those things that make us afraid, we hold on to Jesus We hold on to God. We're embraced by the Holy Spirit. And somehow the presence of God in the midst of the danger makes us stronger than the danger. I want to read a really familiar passage that we often hear at funerals. there's, There's a reason we reach for these words at funerals. There are many times in life for which words are simply not enough. But there are also those moments in life when maybe words are all we have. The only way we can truly comfort another person. And these words, through, through the years, through the centuries, through the lifetimes, these words have sustained people when they look at, at, at a situation in their life, when they, when they, when they have to stand just feet away from the undeniable loss of someone they love, these are the words we reach for. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. You know what? Let's read this together. It's going to be a mess. I want you to not just hear these words. I want you to read these words, okay? Can we do it? Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. 
And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Stop. Say it again. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will chase after me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen? I wish the psalm went differently. I wish the the words of, of Scripture would say to us, the Lord is my shepherd and I'll never be in danger again. The Lord is my shepherd and I'll never have anything that ever makes me afraid again. The Lord is my shepherd and my life's gonna, it's gonna go exactly the way I had it drawn up in my mind. No, that's not what it says. It says that you and I, even with the Lord being our shepherd, are gonna have to sometimes go through the valley of the shadow of death, which is a poetic way to say the worst possible place you could ever imagine. So where is that for you? For some of us, it's abstract. For others of us, we've already been there and maybe we feel stuck there, trapped there. What is the worst possible place you could ever imagine having to go? We want a God who would say to us, you're never gonna have to go there again. That's not what God says to us. He says, you never have to go there alone again. It is so convicting to me that somehow on the cross, Jesus, God finds a way through Jesus to experience what it's like to feel alone in the worst possible place you could ever imagine having to be. Which means that if Jesus found a way to that place, he's with you when you have to go there too. When you say to God, why did you let this happen? How could you let this happen? Don't you care about what this is doing to me? Don't you care about how this is hurting me? Don't you care about how this is hurting my family or the people I care about? Where are you? When Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It means that God has figured out how to be with you in that place where even as far as he could see, he couldn't see God. And even as far as he could hear, he couldn't hear anything. And yet he trusts that the God we have would never let you go to that place and abandon you there. The Bible never says that that God turns his back on Jesus in that moment. We talk like that because we we don't understand how God could be in the presence of sin. I've got news for you. Anytime God's in our presence, he's in the presence of sin. He's stronger than our sin. He's stronger than our, our, our darkness. He's stronger than the dangers that we have to go through. And I'm telling you, if I was gonna build a God from the ground up, my God would never let me go through those things again. But if I build a God from the ground up, I've just built an idol. I know we all have different versions of the God we want, but brothers and sisters, there's only one true God we can have. And this is what he says. 
when you find yourself, when the darkness and the dangers of this world feel like they're going to overwhelm you and threaten you, you better remember who's with you. And even if you can't see him, even if you can't hear him, talk to him. Reach out for him. He's there. You know, it, it reminds me of the story of the disciples and Jesus out on that, that lake when everything goes wrong. It's just this perfect storm. And they're terrified and they're afraid for good reason. They could drown. But part of the reason they're so afraid is they don't actually understand who's in the boat with them. They don't. They don't understand that, that the one who's with them can overcome the storm, can quiet the winds and the waves. And that in, instead of using his power always to stop them from having to go through that, what he does use his power for is to, is to be a kind of presence in their life that saves them, that rescues them, that carries them. The gospel means that our our true safety and our real security are found in God's faithful presence in our lives instead of being found in our ability to avoid dangerous situations in this life. Our, our safety and our security, they, they aren't defined by how smooth everything goes, how much everything makes sense, how much we're able to always you know, make the right decision that turns out just the way we'd hoped. That's, that's not... That's not the, the key. The key is God's faithful presence anyway, in spite of it all, in the face of it all. The question I, I want us to really wrestle with this week, if this is one of the things that reaches deep in our soul, is what might you do differently if you could find the courage to trust that God is always with you and will always keep your soul safe? Right? I'm, I'm not asking you, do you think that God will always keep you physically safe? We know that's not true. I'm talking about your soul. I'm talking about the essence of who you are. Do you, do you really believe? Could you find the courage? And by the way, courage isn't being brave once everything is worked out and you know exactly how it's going to go. That's knowledge. I'm talking about courage. I'm talking about finding a way to live in trust to God, knowing that there will be dangers and darkness and moments of struggle ahead, but God will not hand you over. God will not give up. God will not let those things tear your soul apart. You won't. Your soul, I can tell you this, in an unsafe world, because of God, your soul is safe. You're safe even when you have real reasons to be afraid. I want to leave you with a, a quote. It's a, it's a really short prayer that was written a long, long time ago uh, by a Christian woman named Julian of Norwich. It's kind of almost like a breath prayer, I would, I would say. It's, it's pretty easy to memorize. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. You notice it's in the future tense. You don't have to say everything's going okay right now. Everything's going okay right now. Everything in my life is going okay right now. It's not. So you reach for this prayer, and, and Christians have reached for this prayer through centuries to remind themselves when they start to feel overwhelmed by fear of the unknown that, you know what? We live in a story 
where we don't know how everything's going to go between now and the end, but we know it has it has the best ending that any of us could ever imagine. Right? It, it's an ending where everyone and everything gets to come home in the warm embrace of God the Father. Right? All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. I want to just tell you something about Julian of Norwich. She lived alone. She almost never spent time with other people, and she lived through three waves of the plague in her village. So guess what that means? She was in isolation during a pandemic. This was her prayer. I think you know a little bit more about what she went through than you would have two years ago. All shall be well, and all shall be well in all manner of things. She'll be well. Here's what I want to, I want to confess to you this morning. Throughout this series, I spend quite a bit of time getting ready for each one of these sermons, and not just the week I'm getting ready to preach it. It's been months now, longer than that, getting ready. And each week I start out and I think, oh, this is my, this is my need, right? Every week, it's like I forget who I am. I'm reading about it, and I start getting nervous if it's a week about being afraid, and I start thinking, yeah, this is me. This is me. And then I keep reading, and I think, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. I still have this obsession with getting everything perfect. And then this switch gets thrown in my heart where I think, man, this is a really challenging way to see the world, right? Because I don't know how to see it any differently than perfectionism. So I, I don't have a way to say, man, that's exhausting. It's just my normal Monday afternoon. But man, when I stand in your shoes for a week, I develop a patience and a compassion that I've never had before. And I think that's one of the most important things that's happening in my life, in my soul, throughout this series. And I want to tell you that because I think it's one of the best things God can do through us, striving to understand not only ourselves, but other people. It gives us patience. It slows us down. Right? Because we start to realize not everybody sees the world the way we do. Not everybody's driven by what, by what drives you or me. They have their own burden and here's the truth. Church is a place where we share our burdens, not where they magically go away. We bear our burdens together because of the power of the gospel. And so if you're afraid, or if there's people in your life or people you work with, and, and they're always worried about the danger in the world, and they're trying to, to overcome it, and they know deep down they can't do it on their own, what they need to hear from us is not stop being afraid. What they need from us, brothers and sisters, is to be patient and compassionate and embody the good news of Jesus that even though they have to go through the valley of the shadow of death, it's not just him that's going to walk beside them. You're going to, too. You're going to as well. Because in the end, we become our true selves. We're able to get out of the way enough to let Jesus live through us, speak through us, Minister through us. Be present through us. I know it's a scary world. 
And I know that this week could hold for us more danger than we would ever anticipate, but we're not facing it alone. And so we can say, all shall be well. All shall be well. All manner of things shall be well. Maybe hard. But if it's, if it's hard and if it's difficult and it's dark, you know what we can be sure of? We haven't reached the end yet. Because the end, it's good. We're going to sing together now. And as we do, I want you to think about the people in your life who need to hear this message. I want you to think about people in your life that need someone to join them in the valley of the shadow of death. And I want you to find the courage to be that rod and that staff, to be someone they can rely on when they think they can't rely on anyone or anything. Help them remember that that we're safe even when we have real reasons to be afraid. Let's stand together and sing.